We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacob, along with us will be TJ Inman. Uh, to take you through Indiana's disappointing, disheartening, gut-wrenching, uh, whatever other adjectives you want to use, uh, loss in the Gator Bowl to Tennessee as we wrap up the 2019 season and look ahead uh, to 2020 as well. And before TJ gets here, we're going to uh, have a word from our friends over at my bookie. Um, I don't know about you guys, but for me, a game is 10 times more exciting when I'm putting money on it. Sometimes I have a gut feeling about a matchup, and sometimes I'm betting on my team because, hey, they're my team. Regardless, whether you've been betting for years or you're ready to play for the first time, my bookie is your best bet this season. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So, if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you want to, if you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie.ag. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code CHAIR, that's CHAIR, C-H-A-I-R, and mybookie will double your first deposit. To act and activate the offer, visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And now we welcome in TJ Inman. Uh, TJ, have you recovered from Thursday evening? Oh, more or less. I, you know, I'm not uh, seething with anger at this point in time. Um, you know, that that's one that uh, you have to sit with all off season. So it's. It's going to take a while for sure, and I imagine the players and coaches uh, are, are going to have a really difficult time moving on from that one, particularly the seniors who don't get to play another game to erase that, um, or at least move on from it, if you will. Uh, it, we're not going to sugarcoat it here. That's, uh, that's a horrific way to end your season. Uh, what was, in my opinion, a you know, without qualification, a very successful season, and it remains so. Uh, but that ending, that that's harsh. Really, really bad way to end it. Yeah, it was a, just a, a terrible way to end the season. It, it went so well for about eight, uh, for until about seven minutes and 50 seconds left in that uh, fourth <laughs> quarter. IU had a chance, really a chance to put the game away. 
They went three and out, punted it back, and and the rest is uh, well, you know, history. But let, let's start off um, at the beginning of the game. You know, yep. Tennessee just outmatched. I thought outmatched Indiana on uh, in, in the trenches on 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 the uh, their defensive line just bullied Indiana's offensive line, and that's where you saw the loss of. Um, uh, Simon uh, Stepniak and, and maybe Stevie Scott a little bit, um, yeah, a little bit come to play. It, it, in the first half, Peyton Ramsey had no time to throw, was under duress. It, it affected him the entire game. It's a game where you go, well, if you had Michael Penix, maybe, maybe you're a little bit more successful since he could just wing it, um, take two steps and, and wing it. But you know. You can't fault Ramsey. He played a heck of a game. He had a heck of a season uh, as well. And just Tennessee was just better up front. And I thought that was the difference in the game. That Indiana's offense, while they did get comfortable there in the the third um, and early fourth quarters, really only put up 16 points. Uh, I think under three, you know, under. 350 yards of offense. They just never could get anything going. And then when they needed to uh, get a first down or two to, to really ice the game, they couldn't do it. And, and Tom Allen said it perfectly after the game. Each unit had a chance to ice the game, and they couldn't do it. Um, you know, Logan Justice had a shot to, to give them a lead again with a 52-yard field goal that would have been a career high. But he had plenty of leg on it. It just didn't look like he hit the ball well enough to to, to get it to go straight. It, it tailed off to the right and had that. He missed the extra point, which was the difference in the game. And, and that, to me, TJ, I put that as, as the turning point of the game. After the pick six, you know, Indiana has all the momentum. And then you, you doink a pretty easy extra point uh, off the upright, and they kind of – Left the the door open a little bit, um, a little bit for for IU or for Tennessee, and it's uh, and it's a, it's just a shame. And then, of course, the offense failed to, to tack on points, and the defense, you know, couldn't get a stop in those final, um, se- you know, final eight minutes of the game where they needed if one more stop, and that game was was uh, was over in favor of IU. And you can feel the energy just change in the stadium. It's most of the third quarter. Tennessee, they couldn't do anything. They they benched their quarterback. They brought him back in. The fans were getting restless. They were booing everything. And, you know, it's just a shame that Indiana lost that game that way after having a season that really tried to um, – tried to – change the narrative a little bit and, and just to have it brought back full circle uh, to a game like that where the, where what was the stat like 471 teams had, had been undefeated uh, up 13 points with five to go and Indiana had to be that one team to to blemish that mark but uh, it, it's a game that you know you, you hung with Tennessee if you look at the recruiting over the last five years, Tennessee probably has averaged a top 15 class over the last the last five years. IU is probably somewhere in the 40s. And there are a lot of good things to build off of 
but that last five minutes, the, that last eight minutes, the onside kick, the situation before halftime, just you know, it, it's it's painstakingly, um, you know, here we go again a little bit, but um, we'll, we'll see. What what are your takeaways? Let's start with the first half. What was your takeaway from the first half? I, I think you hit the nail on the head with it starts out. Tennessee was the far more physical team up front than Indiana was to start. It was something we were a little bit concerned about was whether or not Indiana would be able to uh, to match Tennessee's athletes and size up front, um, particularly once we found out Simon Stepaniak was out of the game, uh, you know, that really puts you down uh, two starters along that offensive line um, when you factor in Koi Kronk. So uh, it it really played out that way to start. IU's offense was able to get much of anything, unable to get much of anything going, mainly because there wasn't any time back in the pocket. Tennessee was uh, really penetrating the line on almost every play. Uh, making things very difficult for Indiana to get anything going. I thought the defense did a nice job early of keeping Indiana in it. Uh, you know, Tennessee had a, a few drives get down into the red zone and in, in you know, beyond the 10-yard line uh, that I used defense was able to stand tall, and it's something that, uh, you know, they weren't really able to do all that well during the regular season. So that was a uh, a positive for sure. Um, I thought the defense, for the most part, had a really good evening. Uh, certainly the last two drives, not so much, but early on it looked like time of possession was going to be just a huge issue for Indiana as Tennessee was on the field for the majority of the first half on offense. Uh, but the yeah, defense they ran twice did as many. Enough. Yeah. <clears throat> the, the defense did enough to hold Tennessee to field goals as opposed to touchdowns, uh, keeping it a contest in the first half and allowing IU uh, the opportunity to pull ahead once the offense was able to wake up and make some adjustments. Um, uh, Credit to Kane Womack and and whoever's idea it was uh, to mix up coverage. We saw a lot of zone, which we had not seen at all during the regular season. Indiana played zone uh, during the bowl game, and I'd say it was pretty effective. Uh, it certainly had Tennessee's quarterbacks, either Guarantano or Maurer, uh, mainly Guarantano all evening, guessing uh, for most of the night as far as, you know, what they could do. And I thought that Indiana's personnel uh, did a pretty good job with that zone. Uh, and really, they did a pretty decent job against the run as well. There were a couple of big runs from Tennessee, but uh, they didn't overwhelm the Hoosiers on that side. Uh, and once I use offense, was able to settle in and, and – really get their footing some and got a rhythm, uh, the offensive line did a much better job as well. Uh, so I, the first half, it, it started like the Hoosiers might uh, – might, I, I, I didn't – well, I never got the feeling they were going to get blown out uh, because Tennessee's not that type of team. But it did feel like a game for a little while where uh, Tennessee might just strangle IU slowly to, a, you know, 20-6 to six or – you know, 24 to 10 type of uh, game that never felt close. But then Indiana, Micah McFadden makes a play. 
an interception off of some pressure from the defensive line. Uh, Guarantano threw it and probably should have just held on to the ball, but he tried throwing a uh, short pass that McFadden picked off. That gave IU some momentum before halftime that they were able to capitalize on uh, to end the half and then to begin the second half as well. Um, so I, I credit to the defense for keeping things close when otherwise uh, it certainly wouldn't have been. You know, really looking at it, that IU offense in the first half, you were down Hendershot for quite a bit of it. Uh, as he was really battling through a shoulder problem that um, looked like he was in extreme pain, but he kept trying to give it a go. You were down without him. You were down without um, without Stevie Scott, without Coy Cronk, without Simon Stepaniak, without Michael Penix, uh, you know, down a whole lot of weapons. So it, it's not a surprise that they were struggling somewhat. Um, but in previous games uh, I think we we could have seen that score at halftime be quite a bit uh, different than what it was I think uh, Indiana was fortunate to only be down um, six to three so um, that was encouraging and it you felt like there was a chance and then the, the second half IU played really a, a very very good third and about first half of the first uh, fourth quarter it was some of the better football the Hoosiers have played all season Um, and then of course it it falls apart at the end Um, uh, you know I I do want to say overall um, I think it's important to remember everything that that happened during the season take it as a whole and overall I I still think it was a, a major success eight wins certainly in my opinion, exceeds the expectations that most had, including myself. It exceeds the expectations. At worst, they met expectations uh, for even the most positive of of fans. I think they they met realistic expectations uh, despite some key injuries and some attrition at the running back position particularly. Um, I think the direction that the program is headed is still – you know, as we look at the big picture, it's still an overall very positive one, despite that uh, that ending that the only silver lining you can take from it, the only silver lining, and this is a stretch as well, uh, that this is going to, you know, act as fuel um, for the coaching staff and the players during the off season. Uh, but there are really no positives to take from losing uh, a big bowl game like that. And make no mistake, it was a big game for Indiana. That was a big game. You know, the Gator Bowl uh, might not mean a lot to a whole lot of programs, but getting that one would have meant a lot to Indiana. Uh, And losing it in that fashion, there's not a whole lot of positive you can take out of it. Uh, Yeah, and that's what it was. It was just you had it, they had it. Uh, It was right there, and it would have been a heck of a win and all those things, but let's go down to some key plays that, that kind of changed changed the tide a little bit. Um, the first half, mm-hmm. I thought Indiana was very, very lucky to be down 6 nothing, uh with the ball going in, uh, and especially yep. down 6-3 at halftime. Uh, I, I don't want to kill them on the end-of-half situation other than that 
They needed to get points. I understand kicking the field goal, but it should not take five seconds to spike the ball uh, in, in the first you place. You shouldn't have to look it, over it, at the sideline for that. Peyton exa- Ramsey should exactly. not have to look over at the sideline. He should know, okay, this is a situation where we are getting right up to the line and we're spiking it. I don't need to look over at the line. I don't need to make any adjustments. I just need to do it. That's it. Yeah, either spike the ball or you, you should have had two plays called on the last play because five seconds you could easily throw a ball into the end zone. Uh, and I think yep. that's what people are looking for was um, getting people into, you know, getting a shot into the end zone, whether, whether or not um, – you know, you score the touchdown or not. It's just getting a play into the end zone. But with three, you know, with three seconds left, did, did they take the timeout? The, the issue with the timeout, and, yeah, you should be able to get off a back corner fade in uh, before the, the, the rush gets there. They had so much trouble protecting Ramsey that if you called mm-hmm. timeout and took a sack or had an intentional grounding, the half's over with no points, and I think that's absolutely devastating. Um, yeah. So that, that that's my rationale. I don't – it's not an excuse, but I, I can understand the rationale behind, hey, we need to get points up there uh, and all of that stuff. The second turning point to me, or the second uh, point which is – uh, caused cause the loss is Watt Billier was non-existent. Um, they targeted him, I think, twice. They tried to give him the ball on a reverse once, and then he had two punt returns for negative four yards. Um, he had negative ten all-purpose yards, TJ, and out of your best player who does the most talking, that just cannot happen. Um, yeah. He... he it just it can't it can't happen. He, he needed to do more. Um, he he needed to get open for a guy who who wants to go to the NFL and things like that. He needed to get open and he couldn't do it and, and all of those things. And uh, to me, the lack of the lack of um, production from WAP and then trying to do too much on a punt return it cost him a first down. Uh, and then people said. They went too conservative. That reverse, which was not a conservative play call, cost them seven yards. They were down, I think, at 24-yard line. That could have taken points off the board. Yeah, they scored a field goal, but now you're lo- you're you're looking at um, you're you're looking at a second and long instead of trying to go back to what what was working all game. You know, all second quarter, third quarter, uh, all that stuff, and it just didn't happen. Um, and you get taken down for a loss, or the play was going nowhere. He just kind of gave up on it too, and you know you just get you, you get left with a bad taste in your mouth uh, with, with Wap Billiard's performance in the Gator Bowl. He was so good all season as, as a game changer, and, and I'm sure Tennessee made sure that Wap was not going to beat them on on Thursday night. But his lack of production was absolutely mind-boggling and just a, a red flag there looking towards the next level. Um, and then after the pick six, hitting the, hitting the upright on the, on the extra point was killer. Everything's going IU's way. And just when you think that everything's going to break IU's way, you hit, you hit the upright. And 
it took a great, great, great moment and made it a really good moment. Uh, but it, it it was a one-point game, and you go back and you settle. If you hit that one and everything else plays out the way it did, you get a shot at overtime, and, and then you'll see what happens. You know, Tennessee wasn't great in the red zone uh, all evening, and uh, you, you'll, you know, you take your chances. I, I'd take my chances with Peyton Ramsey in the red zone against Tennessee in overtime any day of the week. Uh, and then, you know, you get down to, you know, the the onside kick, which is – this is what boggles my mind, is how you do not have the hand team on. I get that Tom Allen was thinking you have four, four minutes of change, three timeouts. Indiana's offense just went three and out. You take the chances, take the timeouts, and see if you can punt the ball. Uh, instead of the onside kick, but at least have the hands team out on the field. Uh, you know, with, with these, the new fair catch rule, you don't really have to worry about setting up a return. You you put one guy back there. You put David Ellis back there. You say, hey, fair catch it wherever the ball is. The worst possible outcome is that you get the ball to 25. Uh, it didn't happen. Tennessee executed a great onside kick. And mm-hmm. you know, two two plays later, uh, they're they're down in the end zone, and at that point, after the the onside kick, you know, part of me wonders why not take a timeout, kind of like in basketball when the team goes on a run. Um, why not take a timeout, settle your team down? You're still up by six, uh, and if you know, there's plenty of ways to stop the ball on uh, stop the clock on offense. Uh, without using a timeout, and you, you settle your defense down. Maybe you don't have that uh, Raekwon Jones face mask penalty. Uh, maybe you kill some of the momentum for Tennessee. Uh, so that's kind of nobody's talked about it, uh, but that was kind of going through. You know, take a timeout, settle your team down, get them back out on the field. They just let up a long drive. Get your defense, a, you know, a breath of fresh air and, and go from there. And then um, – on that final drive, they were – you might use Charles Campbell for a long field goal, but when Peyton Ramsey got sacked, uh, it, it kind of killed that. Uh, that, And then the fourth down play, you had to had to go for it on fourth down. And, yeah. and he ultimately uh, threw it short uh, on that stuff. So there's a lot of things that, that you wish IU had done. Um the staff is going to learn from it. I know they took the the loss personally, and everybody freaking about out about Allen's game management and all this stuff and and this and that and this and that. Uh, he's not on the field kicking extra points. He's not on the field kicking field goals. Uh, he should have sent out the hand team on there. Uh, He's not in the end zone dropping passes. He's not in the secondary dropping interceptions. There are a lot of things to play. You know, the coach's job is to put the players in the best possible position to succeed, and I think outside of the onside kick, Allen and the staff did that. Um, so that that those are my takeaways um, from the game. Now, TJ, you talked about it would have been a big, big win. What – just what does this loss mean for the program going forward? Well, uh, 
truthfully, probably not a whole lot. Um, you know, I, I'm of the opinion that uh, while the fan base would, you know, make probably a lot of noise about, oh, look at that, they won nine games, and you know, now I'll now I'll support them. I I think that the fan uh, the ticket sales would probably look pretty similar to what they have so far, to be honest. Um, I don't think that winning the Gator Bowl would have seen a big increase in uh, ticket sales heading into next season. I I really don't. Um, I think it would have been maybe a slight uptick, maybe. Uh, And you might have some people that say, Oh, that's it, a heartbreaking loss in the Gator Bowl. I'm I'm out. I'm not gonna not gonna do it. Um but I, I think it'll probably look a whole lot the same from a fan support level. Um from a you know, recruiting standpoint, uh I don't think it matters at all. Um just getting there was important. Having a good season was important. IU did that. Um I don't think uh any recruit is going to look at losing in the Gator Bowl versus winning in the Gator Bowl as a deciding factor of any kind. So um, probably nothing there. Um, I I do think it's, you mentioned the narrative of things. Uh, I think that's probably the biggest one is, you know, the players are going to have to think about that loss all off season. And it's going to be important for the coaching staff and for the players uh, that come back next year, you know, the next close game that IU has, it's going to be important to remember, you know, just because it happened last time doesn't mean it has to keep happening. Uh, and, and we saw them win some close games this year. We saw them lose some close games this year. It's going to be important to stay out of falling into that rut of here we go again. Because um, I know that as a fan, you know, we we have those scars for sure. Uh, it's going to be important for the players not to have those as they move into next season. Yeah, and to me, it would have been a win would have been huge. Uh, you you set the you tie the program record for wins. You end the bowl streak. You get that monkey off your back. But IU had done enough in the regular season, and yeah, people are going to say they didn't beat anybody with a winning record. And I think Ed people. I think the combined record of of the teams they beat were like twenty eight and twenty five and seventy six or something like that. But who cares? It, you know, it it's those are games. We I use next logical step, and we said this all preseason was to win the games that they were supposed to win. Uh, and Tennessee, as the game went on, they probably should have won that game. But going in, they're three and a half point underdogs. Uh, they were without two starting linemen. They're starting running back. The quarterback they started the season with. You're without Donovan Hale, who I thought could have made a difference as well on some of those. Um, you, you know, he was a good guy to go up and get the ball. And that's exactly what you needed uh, against Tennessee in the first half was somebody who could take two steps back and chuck it up and trust your receiver to go get that. Uh, so, you know, it, it was – a great season for Indiana football with such a young team. It looks, you know, you could get Coy Cronk back next year. His decision should be coming soon. Uh, it's it's a good foundation season. I think 
you can start to build off of it now as well. Next year's schedule is is pretty uh, pretty reasonable and pretty navigable. If if they could get to a back to uh, back to another bowl game, whatever bowl game it is, whether you win six games, whether you win eight games, whether you win nine games or ten games, uh, just getting back to a bowl is huge for this program. It would have been four and six years uh, now if that happens. You still have a very, very young team. And I think the most encouraging sign of this was that you know your coaches can coach. Uh, Kane Womack had a a great defensive game plan. They changed up basically everything that they were doing from the regular season um, and all of that stuff. Uh, The offense, we'll see where they go with the coordinator hire. But you have basically everybody coming back outside of uh, a couple linemen in, in Stepniak and Hunter Littlejohn and, and uh, Hale and, and Westbrook. But the foundation's there for a nice little run here to, to, to end this 10-year bowl period. Um, you know, starting in 2015, you could get to 2020. You could, you know, figure out a way to get to 2025 with six, seven, maybe eight bowl appearances, and you're looking at one of the best time periods in Indiana football. Now, there's a lot of work to be done, and I think either this is going to fuel – it's either going to fuel their fire all spring or it's going to suck them down into a black hole. Those are the only two options that a loss like this could happen. I don't think the loss wipes out anything that happens in the regular season. Uh, and, and we'll see. They now have to go out and recruit, and uh, and find find people to to make the program better. And you know, you have some young defenders who could uh, who do very very well, and they're coming back. So let's take a look forward to to 2020, TJ, real quick before we uh, officially close the book on 2019. Uh, what are you looking mm-hmm. forward to next season? I, I just I, I had a lot of fun watching this team play. I, I wanna wanna say that and give them credit for that. It, it was very, very enjoyable to follow this team. Um and that's what we ideally get out of sports is enjoyment. Uh you know, you can't say that for all the all the programs that or, or teams that we follow. Um and this, this particular Sorry, team the was Jets and Knicks fan. Um, uh uh-uh. uh. Well, I mean, as an IU basketball fan right now, um, just to look in the same school, uh, who's having much fun watching that right now? You know, it's it's supposed to be fun, and uh, this this team was a lot of fun. They were very enjoyable to watch. Uh, from strictly a 2020 standpoint, uh, I think the thing that jumps out to me the most is one, I want to see this young defense get better. Uh, I want to see guys like Taiwan Mullen, their progression, um, and and see, you know, can can somebody like that take the next step, and, and can anybody join him on that level? Uh, and then on the offensive side of the ball, obviously you're looking at, number one, can Indiana make the good hire at offensive coordinator? It's a very important hire. And number two, uh, you're, you're looking at the quarterback position. Does Peyton Ramsey come back uh, for his redshirt senior season? If so, 
You've got a battle between him and Penix. If he does not, uh, can Michael Penix stay healthy uh, and deliver on the promise that he's shown us so far? There's there's a lot of questions, but I think IU has more. They're, they're different questions that we've had to ask in the past for IU football. Uh, they're questions of, you know, um, what's the ceiling for this particular team? Uh, and I think the answer is going to be uh, the, the ceiling is is pretty high, and the floor, you, know, you hope, is not too low. And I, I think uh, for me, it's going to be about 2020 will be about uh, solidifying the type of program that you now have, uh, proving that 2019 was not a fluke. It might not be eight wins, you know, but like you said, becoming a regular bowl team, that's what 2020 is, is really starting to be about for me it's establishing yourself as, look, this is the expectation. We expect that we go to bowl games. Uh, and if we don't, it'll be a surprise and a major disappointment. Uh, so it, it's about, you know, adding another notch there, going back to bowl games. The Big Ten has some new bowl games next year, too, you know, uh, some new exciting destinations to, to look at. And, um, yeah, and, and it'll be very interesting to see how, how that plays out what the pecking order ends up being. Um, I, I'm really looking forward though, to just uh, seeing how this pretty young group progresses now that they've had a taste of success. Uh, yeah. And um, speaking of those bowl games, I'll take the, either the Vegas bowl or the cheese it bowl. I, I love cheese. Yep, cheese I'm bowl. guaranteeing you that they will have, Cheez It, everything at the Cheez It Bowl. Uh, plus, it's in Arizona, uh, which is the Phoenix is a pretty cool town. Uh, but going forward, DJ, as, you, as as we've been saying, you know, the foundation has been laid for 2020. We'll see what some key players will do. Does Koi Kronk come back? Does Peyton Ramsey come back? Um, in, uh, you know, does WAP declare for the NFL draft uh, and, and things like that? What? what other grad transfers or, or uh, signees can they land in February mm-hmm. ahead of the, you know, during that February signing period, um, who they bring in as offensive coordinator. It also looks like William Inge is headed towards Fresno state as their defensive coordinator. Who do they get to replace him? Can they revamp the special teams unit to where, you know, they, they have a lot of potential there and Logan justice is so good through, the first 11 games and then just fell apart, you know, fell apart in the land against Purdue and then against Tennessee. Uh, can they, can they put the special teams unit together to have everything clicking in the same year instead of just having, you know, either punt return clicking, the kicking game kick um, clicking. And they haven't had a kick return game click uh, since Shane Wynn was returning kicks way back when. So, those are the things. The defense, um, there's a lot of promise on defense. They need some of these young guys, and this is where those bowl practices should start to, you know, pay off. You, you get back. Spring practices is coming up before you know it, and you know they'll have to, the secondary. You, you look, Jamar Johnson played well. Uh, he could step in and, and play Husky. You have Reese Taylor and Tywin Mullen at corner who look very, very good. So, you know, Jerome Johnson's going to be back for his senior year. CEO played pretty well. Uh, the 
there was just a lot of young talent um, mixed with a few veterans uh, in there as well. And Michael McFadden had had an outstanding season for a guy who, you know, he just made tackles in in, in high school. I think he made like 300 something tackles his senior year in high school. But you know, everybody poo-pooed him because he wasn't athletic enough. Well, the guy is, you know, now arguably Indiana's best linebacker. Do you see Thomas Allen switch positions uh, if and when he comes back? Uh, it's There's just a lot of promise. It's not, you know, it'd be a different feeling if this was a senior-laden team, kind of like 2015 where you lost a ton of pieces. IE doesn't really lose that that many pieces going forward, and you can start to see that they're going to build this. They're building this thing, and you know, it's 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 a process. And I, as, as a fan, I would tr- I trust that process right now because hey, we've seen it. Uh, we've seen it work. That's 18 wins the last three years, uh, which is an average of six wins per year. They, they hung with Tennessee, ultimately should have won that game. Um, and the next step is get back to a bowl game and, and ultimately start winning a few of the games you, you shouldn't you shouldn't win. Um, and on paper, there was a couple of them this year, uh, but, you know, it ended up Nebraska was 5-7. and seven. Maryland ended the season poorly, uh, but – I'm excited for 2020 and to see uh, what happens, especially, you know, if Peyton Ramsey leaves, can Jack Tuttle come in and be that reliable backup and maybe even push Michael Penix for the job as well? And then you got some exciting freshmen coming in. So it's especially with the Colts being down, the window of opportunity for IU football in the state of Indiana to, to gain more popularity is it, it's opening and we'll see um, how long it's going to be open for, but you've you got a nice schedule in, in 2020. If you can hit six, seven, eight wins again, uh, you should start to uh, build that fan base back a little bit more. So uh, TJ, I had a ton of fun this season. Um, it was probably the most fun I've had covering this team. It was a great group of guys to cover, great group of coaches to cover. Uh, and it, there are a lot of great, fun, entertaining games as well. It's what college football uh, should be all about. But before we let you go, I need your prediction on the national title game. And if you tell me that the Tigers are going to win, um, <laughs> we might have to find a new podcast host. Um, so don't go Bill Walton on me and say the Tigers are going to win the national title. Um, which Tiger is going to win the national title? Yeah, the Tigers will win the national title. It will be the purple and gold Tigers from Baton Rouge. Uh, give me LSU. I've made a lot of money on LSU this season. Their explosive offense. Uh, talk about fun to watch, man. That uh, that team is fun to watch. It's so explosive. Um, I know it's going to take it's going to take a lot to knock Clemson out. I give them a lot of credit um, for for maintaining the winning streak as long as they have, and uh, you know to be the man, you got to beat the man. I think LSU beats the man uh, against uh, against Clemson. I like LSU to win this uh, by I 
I'm going to say 10 to 14 points. Um, wow. I, just, I think it's their season. Um, they've got something special with that group. Uh, a lot of belief there, and um, I think they believe they can score on anybody, and so far they have. Uh, give me LSU. Hey, I'm going to go with LSU as well, uh, not only as an LSU fan. I just um, – they, they just seem like that team of destiny this year. Their offense is playing well. Their yep. defense is very, very good. Um, it, I'm hoping for a closer game than 10 to 14 points. I want something fun and close to watch close out this season. Oh, it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. Um, so it, it's it's going to be – it's also a de facto home game for LSU down in New Orleans. And, you know, everybody is going to be, uh, you know, well lubricated uh, down there yeah. and, and things like that. So it should be a, a good, great game. And hopefully we'll end the, the 2019 season in uh, in great fashion. Uh, with a great game between Clemson and LSU, and and uh, we'll head into the 2020 season. Uh, before you know it, spring ball will be here, and then the spring game, and then summer content, and then the fall. And you know, it's uh, it it goes by so much quicker when you're playing a late bowl game. But anyway, TJ, thank you for joining me all season uh, on the podcast. We'll be back uh, throughout the off season yeah. talking about national news. Uh, things like that. We're going to try and revamp the podcast to include more topics year-round on college football and things like that. So, uh, TJ, thanks so much for joining us all season and co-hosting with me. Have a uh, a wonderful uh, off-season, in quote, air quotes. And, uh, you know, we'll be back on soon to talk some football. Yeah, same to you. It's a pleasure. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. We love it. Yep. And finally, I do want to shout out our fans and our listeners. It has been a heck of a ride uh, with you every single week uh, from August on, uh, living and dying with you on every snap of Indiana football and bring you all the news and stories and our analysis and breakdowns and, and the great conversations uh, we've had either at tailgates or on social media and things like that. And we really appreciate you, the fans, because that's who we do it for, are the fans of IU football and college football uh, around Indiana, around the country, and even around the globe. Uh, So it has been my pleasure, it's been TJ's pleasure, it's been our whole team's pleasure to bring you all of our knowledge and share it with you guys. And we can't wait to do it again in 2020. It is going to be a uh, hopefully another fun year of college football as always if you have suggestions uh, or content you want to see that we can do please hit me up on twitter at hoosier underscore huddle or uh, email me at the hoosier huddle uh, at gmail.com we love our suggestions and uh, we'll have our uh, bowl mania winner announced here uh, in the next week after the after the national title game, we've got one more bowl game tonight. And then the national title game is a week from tonight on January 13th between LSU and Clemson. Anyway, thanks for the wonderful record-setting season uh, we've had at Hoosier Huddle. We appreciate your support. And we'll talk and see you guys down the road in the offseason.
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 